0: Hey friends, is your church looking to gather together again in person and you're seeing diminished numbers? Well, why not kick off the momentum with a 40-day church-wide challenge? The team over at Red Letter Challenge have become the 40-day church challenge experts not only will this amazing 40-day church series, it's not just that, but it's also daily unique challenges to give really everyone in your church, get them on the same page. It's fun. It's an amazing time. And many people are taking steps towards Jesus. You know, we've seen time and again that these challenges have seen increased attendance on the weekends, increased uh, attendance in groups, increased engagement. You should be doing a 40-day challenge. They have not only their core uh, normal first challenge called the red letter challenge, but they've also launched a brand new one called the being challenge more great news if you're a pastor and you haven't seen any of this yet they'll mail you a free workbook and absolutely no strings attached so you can get ready to run a new challenge this fall You can get all this information at redletterchallenge.com forward slash church or by emailing hello at redletterchallenge.com. Many churches are gearing up for a fall kickoff. Now's the time for you to jump in redletterchallenge.com forward slash church or email hello at redletterchallenge.com. Are you looking for practical
1: ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.
0: Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. I'm super excited for today's episode. Uh, You know, every week we bring you a leader uh, who is serving in the local church to really help you and inspire you. And today is going to be no exception. Super excited to have Pete Briscoe with us. He served for, uh, I think, over three decades at, or close to three decades at Bent Tree Bible Fellowship. Fantastic church. Uh, Pete, welcome to the show. So glad you're here.
2: Thanks, Rich. It's a joy to be here. Thanks for having this
0: will me. Be, uh, this is going to be great. So you were uh, you were on the team there, leading the team for nearly three decades, uh, a fantastic church. and But now you've kind of pivoted in life and you're serving local church leaders uh, or leaders in general, both business and, and church leaders. Uh, tell us a bit about that story. Tell us a bit about that transition.
2: <laughs> yeah pivoted a little doesn't quite cover it <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a um as a former basketball player it was a major pivot um <laughs> it was one of those pivots where you just kind of keep going around and around in a circle for a while but, nice uh, yeah so so real quick story i'm uh i'm 28 years old uh, Libby and i uh leave uh, milwaukee wisconsin where i grew up and we drive mm-hmm. to dallas texas where um we go to lead Bentry Bible Fellowship. This is back in early nineties. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I had preached five sermons to like real people in my whole life. I, I mean, <laughs> I've been through seminary, but I, yes. you know, I'd had my preaching classes and preaching labs and stuff, but like to actual congregations, I'd only preach like five times, yes. um, to adults. Um, and so I was just so green. Um, yeah we were uh, on the very Northern edge of the, uh, development, the physical development of Dallas at that time. And so, um, it was the kind of situation where if you, if you preach the word faithfully and you took care of people and loved them, uh, you were going to grow because the community was just growing so fast and, and that's what happened. We grew, we grew a lot. We grew fast. Um, we relocated, we built buildings, we did all that. And, um, and just had an, an absolutely beautiful time there. Uh, we were there 28 and a half years and, you know, 26 of them were awesome. Two and a half of them were pretty tough. And um, and at the end, I, I had realized that I was kind of going through some cycles personally um, mm-hmm. where I would... I would be doing really, really well. Um, It was usually when we were building something, (laughs) either Mm. something physically building a building or building a complex or something like that, or we were building a ministry or we were building something internationally. Um, Mm. I kind of have a builder personality. And so I would really get energized during those seasons. And then times when it was just kind of settling in and um, just doing normal ministry, everyday ministry, Mm Um, I would find myself getting um, antsy and impatient and bored, candidly. Mm. Um, And, and then (laughs) I would just start to struggle internally. Um, I was generally isolated. I didn't really have many friends. Um, Mm. I had friends, but um, I kind of chose to tell them what I chose to tell them. Um, I had an excellent elder board and they held me accountable. Um, Mm -hmm. But I, you know, you, you share 95% of what's going on. You don't always share the last 5%. And, Mm. um, and I, I just, I started to spiral, but then something new would come along and, and Mm. I would get fired up again and off we Mm. go, you know? And so what, what happened was these, the highs kind of got higher and the lows kind of got lower, um, Mm. to the, at the, at the end there, I was just in a really, really bad place. Um, Mm. And I, I, I just needed to get some help. I needed to talk to, to, talk to somebody. And so uh, the board was great to give me a leave of absence to go and sort through what was going on. I shared everything that was going on with them. <clears throat> and um, one of the questions I had to ask while I was uh, in that leave of absence was, can I, can I do this role and be a healthy person at the same time? And I know, I know a lot of people wow. can. Um, yeah. And um, I, I came to the conclusion that I couldn't, that mm. if I were yeah. to head back, if I were to head back into that role, um, there would be more highs. And then the, the next low might be deeper yet. And, right. um, and I, I really felt like I was already kind of on the edge of a precipice. And so mm. Libby and I made the decision to, to walk away, uh, which was, an incredibly difficult decision. It was oh, um, month, months and months of discussion and prayer, and um, and it was hard because um, I think the church. I'm, I'm pretty sure the church was pretty ready for me just to come back and get back to work, and, right. and so I think it was a bit of a surprise for the body. I know it was a surprise for the body, and, um, and it was it was just hard. And so, um, yeah, we um, we decided to to go ahead and leave and. Hmm. Uh, then, then the question, and I don't know if if most pastors ever have this conversation, but Libby and I had it a number of times over the years, where we talked about when I was no longer the senior pastor, would we stay in the church or would we right. get out of Dodge, right? Because there's, right. you know, there's two schools of <laughs> thoughts on that, yes. and we we just came to the conclusion that it would be best for the church for us just to kind of get get out of their space and let them lead into the future, and mm-hmm. but we didn't know where to go. And so one day Libby just said, I got a crazy idea. I'm like, what is it? She said, let's sell the house. Let's buy an RV and let's head to the mountains and start a new life. And I just literally laughed. I'm like, honey, I'm, I'm the most unhelpful person in the world when it comes to mechanics and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I, I can't, I can't fix anything. You know, RV right. guys have to be fix it, men. you know, and, and, uh, but, that's actually what we did. We we bought wow. an RV. We flew to Las Vegas to buy it from a couple there. And the night we bought it was the first night we'd ever spent in an RV. Like we'd never done this before, and Amazing. drove it back to Dallas, packed it up, and then drove out to uh, drove out to the west and. Uh, started a new life like a totally new life after uh, almost 30 years at Ventry. so yeah it was it was a minor pivot so to
0: speak <laughs> uh, yeah i'm glad <laughs> yeah. i didn't know how to describe it i knew a little bit mm-hmm. of that story but that's that's incredible and i think you know i'm looking forward to kind of pu- pulling you know that apart and hearing more mm-hmm. and helping leaders you know i think there's so many of us as we serve in the local church we often think well what what will it look like when we're no longer doing this kind of what is that next yep. thing? And uh, I think you provide, you, you know, paint a pretty vivid picture of what, you know, what you've done. So now how long have you been on the road? We got connected because of a mutual friend and they said, what well, do you know what Pete's up to? And I said, no, i I, I don't actually know. And then she explained this. I like, wow, I got to talk to Pete. So how long, how, you know, how long have you been kind of been on the road and, and in this new life of serving leaders? What's that look like?
2: Yeah, we, we've been on the road almost two years now, which is Amazing. just it's crazy. Um, it's awesome not having property taxes, we love that part. Um, <laughs> yes. But we we literally drive last year, we drove, <clears throat> uh, we started in Tucson, we were there for the winter um, out in the desert, and then we drove north and went through Utah, went to the five national parks there, and then up to Yellowstone, wow. and then up to Glacier National Park in Montana, and all the way around through. Washington and Oregon down the coast and then back went to I think 10 national parks and and we would park outside would park outside them and we would work all day my wife Libby has started a a coaching uh, business too and and um, we'd work all day and then we'd drive into the parks in the evening and watch the sunset and see the animals and and uh, it was just such a it was such a change from my previous life which was literally scheduled to the minute you know, just right. day after day, week after week, year after year. And all of a sudden, um, you know, we, we had to re redesign ourselves because I mean, you got to pay the bills. We, we'd reduced our bills drastically by, by living in a house on wheels, but, um, you still have to pay them. And so we had to figure out what we were going to do next. We're still pretty young and we weren't retiring. We were just shifting. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's been about two years and, um, and I'm having a blast. It's really fun. And there's
0: still lots of road ahead of you. You're still are looking forward to doing this. Yeah.
2: Ab- absolutely. We uh we have no end in sight. We oh, <laughs> we great. we figure we figure we'll land somewhere at some point. And part of the idea of the RV is driving around to see where we'd like to settle and haven't totally. haven't figured that out yet. So
0: yeah, it's amazing. You know, one of the things that's uh that only folks that serve in the local church get is you are so fixed into a, usually a particular location and even into the schedule. So, you know, what, you know, what is the third Sunday in July of 2022? Most, a lot of church leaders know exactly what that date is, which means Mm -hmm. that their life does have a, have a certain permanence to it. I think that's pretty amazing. So now you're, uh, you're out serving leaders now, um, both Mm -hmm. in the church and marketplace leaders. What kind of work are you doing? I'd love to, to kind of dive into that. What are you learning in that process?
2: Yeah. So, um, basically I, I work with two groups of people I work with uh, lead pastors and then mm-hmm. I work with business leaders and business owners so executives mm-hmm. and business owners and then I do the same thing with both of them um, mm. which is two things I do self-care and then I do communications so mm. for preacher for pastors it's preaching for business leaders it's it's communicating to groups um, mm-hmm. and then on the self-care side um, which is I just really love this piece uh, mm. I I think I, um, I I worked with so many business leaders at Bentree over the years. It's in far North Dallas. It's full of just fascinating kind of maverick entrepreneurial kind of people.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I just, I love working with folks like that. Um, I realize that they're just really normal people, usually mm-hmm. just kind of extraordinarily gifted in business. And so they get really successful. But mm-hmm. um, what I've discovered is there's a difference between There's a difference between the kind of engineering of success and the art of fulfillment, right? It's like Mm. um, success is almost a science in the business community. It kind of is in the church community a lot of times too. Mm. But Mm -hmm. you know, there are certain things you do, and if you do them effectively and well, and the Lord blesses it, you know, it tends to work. And um, and that's really true in the business community. There's you know, there's there's things that people share and they figure it out and they start to Mm -hmm. do it and and also, they get very, 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 very successful, but they lack fulfillment. And mm. what they don't realize is that fulfillment's really an art, uh, more than a science. Uh, it's individual. It's personalized. Um, there's obviously spiritual factors involved in mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. there's more than spiritual factors involved in that too. There's mm-hmm. um, there's relational factors. There's um, there's generosity factors. There's mm-hmm. um, how to deal with materialistic wealth. There's all these kind of things that. A lot of these business uh, folks are working with it. I, you know, I used to think pastors worked hard. I'm I'm discovering that these marketplace <laughs> leaders, I mean, I'm just blown away at how hard they work and how many hours they work and how much they're on the road. and mm-hmm. And so work-life balance is a real challenge for them. So I try to help them with that too.
0: Yeah, I just recently had a, a good friend of mine who is a marketplace leader who, you know, by all intents and purposes has been successful, like kind of by all the measures you would say, you know, they are well respected mm-hmm. in the industry, they've made piles of money, they have multiple homes, all that stuff. And it was super impressed. They just recently uh, were taking an entire week to really ask this kind of from success to significance question, you know, we're, we're really wrestling mm-hmm. down that and, um, you know, I'm I was super honored. He kind of let me in a little bit on that process and was asking me to reflect on him a little bit and had, you know, which I, which was a, it was a real, um, you know, it felt real privilege to be a part of that conversation when you yeah. are engaging with someone on the self-care side, what is that? What would be the kind of common patterns you find yourself coaching people in as you're helping leaders again, whether they're in the marketplace or in you know ministry, how are you helping them wrestle through the self-care kind of questions? What's that look like?
2: Yeah. So, um, what I'll do pragmatically is I'll sure. I'll go in and I'll um, with the church leaders I'll spend one day with the business leaders I'll spend two days full days, <laughs> and I've got a whole a whole process where I walk through um, kind of what what their life looks like now what's working what's not what's broken what's stuck uh, what mm. needs to change what needs to go what needs to stay um, and then spend quite a bit of time just dreaming about the future with them mm. and mm. Um, asking them what do you want your life really to be like you've you know you have this life now you don't like it even though it's working Mm -hmm. on the surface you don't like it what actually do you want it to look like and i i force them to really drill down to what that looks like and then we start to put together kind of a life plan to help them get there i i see similar things with pastors where um you know, you just mentioned a few minutes ago. For a lot of us in pastoral ministry, we don't really think about what comes next. We just kind of assume right. we'll be in ministry our whole lives. <laughs> yes. um, and the fact of the matter is, at some point, you're going to be done. Um, yep. Hopefully, it'll be a voluntary thing, right? Yes. You, you get to, you'll get to choose that. And yeah. but you'll be finished. And people are living longer. My my mom and dad are 90 and 85 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm they've been empty nesters for over 40 years. Right. I mean, think about that. So, yes. and they've been, my, my dad retired from pastoral ministry when he was 70. He's, he's, he retired at 70 wow. and he's had 20 years since then.
0: To, yes. Right. Yes. So
2: it's like, there's just, we're living longer. There's just a lot of life and we don't really necessarily plan for that. And for mm. pastors, a lot of times it gets a little more convoluted because we're struggling with what we sense a call from Christ mm-hmm to continue to do ministry, but then uh, maybe there's a longing to be free, to do something different. And there's confusion that comes with that. And so um, a lot of it's just helping, helping leaders sort through those, Mm. those conflicts, um, those internal conflicts and those struggles that they're grappling with and, and help them put together a plan for the future. I, I was taught fairly early on as our church was growing um, that during the growing years, a lot of times we think of the church as our macro ministry, but then many of us who are kind of entrepreneurial, we kind of want to do something else on the side. There's something else right. that grabs our attention, and that, so we start kind of a micro ministry. I, I did a media ministry with my parents for 15 years, and so yeah. that was kind of my thing that I did, um, but then what can happen over time if your church is open to this um, is you can start to move towards that other thing becoming your macro ministry. It usually is more broad, um, yep. has a farther reach. And and then the the church becomes your micro ministry. You obviously have to have a great team around you and a, and a leadership team that's willing to do that. But mm-hmm. if if I can help people kind of navigate that process, then these leaders can stay in churches mm-hmm. and can provide the leadership and the preaching usually. Mm -hmm. And then other teammates are providing everything else. Um, And that's a way to keep leaders Mm -hmm. in ministry, in pastoral ministry, longer term.
0: Yeah, I love that idea. There's such a, um, uh, it's an interesting thing we do in the local church, particularly for lead pastors, people who are in the primary communicator spot. So my role for the past two decades has been in that second seat executive pastor supporting Mm -hmm. role and have had, I have just such deep respect for people who get up every week and speak because I'm like, that is the amount of internal processing that that, does is just amazing. And unlike any, I don't know any other organized, well, I don't know many other organizations where there's that weird thing where the lead person is both the leader and also in some sort of weird way, the product, because their teaching is Mm -hmm. kind of core to what the church does and getting those two fused together Uh, I would imagine is difficult or I know is difficult for leaders to kind of how do we how do we do all that together? What would be some advice that you would have to a leader who's because you've been in that seat where, hey, you're leading the thing, plus you're speaking all the time. What would be some of those rhythms looking back now that you say, hmm, maybe uh, take it from a brother who's a little farther down the road that that would be good to be adding to your life to help uh the long term trajectory you know 28 years is a long time uh in a church and and uh so yeah what would you suggest to churches you know church leaders in the midst of uh you know in that particular seat
2: yeah uh when i left Tree, one of my friends said 28 years wow some people do less time for murder <laughs> you know it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah that,
1: that is, that's that is funny that's time. funny oh um, gosh
2: yeah but um yeah you know Something you just said really struck a chord with me, Rich, because you, you said you're not only the leader, but you're kind of the product, too. Right. And that that that's almost um, it's almost a bone chilling thought yep. to me that yep. a, a, an individual is a product. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's candidly, that's a big part of what I struggled with yep. was yep. Um, was being a product, being an mm-hmm. asset. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, as long as, as long as I'm performing well, the whole thing seems to be doing okay. But if I stop performing Mm -hmm. well, what's going to happen? Just the pressure of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously that's, that's messed up thinking, but it's, you know, we're all capable of (laughs) messed up thinking when, when we're under stress. Right. And so I, um, I think that's a huge challenge for leaders. I, I'll, I'll share one story Um, when, when I was working with, with a therapist during my uh, during my time um, uh, away from, from Ben tree. Um, uh, she was, she was talking to me and she asked me a question and I gave her the answer. And um, she just looked at me and she smiled and she said, thanks for that answer, Pastor Pete. <laughs> now I wonder if Pete could answer the question. Mm, uh, um, that's insightful. She said, I really, I really hope I get to know the real Pete before we're finished with this process. And mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of a defining moment for me because, um, I think, I think we kind of create a persona and that sounds really negative and it almost sounds manipulative. I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I think it, I think it just happens because we don't fully share ourselves with the whole body of believers. Mm -hmm. We Mm choose, we choose what we share, which I think is appropriate. Right. Right. But what that does is it creates, it creates a slightly different person than who we really are. Yes. And, um, and who we really are over time gets lost in that bigger mm-hmm. persona. Um, there's, uh, there's more strokes that come with the persona. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, you're in charge when you're in the persona, when you go home and there's snotty nosed kids and there's bath time <laughs> and that it's, it's not quite yeah. as exciting. And, and, and so persona starts to kind of take over. And so um, th- those are the type of conversations I try to have with pastors is, mm-hmm is helping them sort through what's what's real about you that people see and what's not and what's going on behind the scenes that no one else knows about. Talk to me. I'm safe. No one else is going to hear about it. Just Mm -hmm. um, because that was a big issue for me was isolation. I didn't, um, I didn't actually have anyone to really talk to. Um, I I did get a coach and I started to, I started to share what was going on with him and he was helpful. But um, so it, yeah, it's it's so individualistic, right? That there's yes. so much. There's so much stuff from our childhood that we bring into the pastorate. There's. Um, I remember hearing Jim Dethmer talk um, at Willow mm-hmm. Creek a number of years ago about the father wound and how mm-hmm. most most men in my generation and your generation. I think you're a little younger mm-hmm. than me, but most men in our generation, you know, our our dads um, weren't quite as sensitive as we would have wanted them to be and uh, maybe a little more absent and we all carry a wound and how many of us with this big gaping father wound end up in ministry it's a it's a high percentage and like what what needs are we trying to fill and all that kind of stuff Um, there's just a lot going on inside we don't always feel like we can talk about it and we really need to be
0: absolutely i i um one of the thing things i've said to the lead pastors who who i still count as even though i don't serve in their churches anymore are, are you know some of my closest friends over the years i found myself multiple times saying to them you know you don't have a peer in this organization you need friends you need people who mm-hmm. are not you know there's even you know like 50 60 70 100 staff uh but that lead role is unique is isolating Um, And, and yeah, we can, uh, you know, as a, you know, as a lieutenant serving under you, I'm happy to do everything I can. Uh, But, you know, you need to find some other, um, some other people to connect with, because the pressures are so unique. I, I love that even you're providing you know, a version of that, being able to be a sounding board with someone who's been there before, I just think that's amazing. And I could see that as just hugely valuable to so many, particularly to folks in that, that spe- space. What about on the other side, pivoting to the kind of preaching p- portion mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, providing uh, support to, to leaders or communication, if it's in marketplace, what does that look like? And how do you, how, what is that? How are you doing that from an RV? You know, how, what is that, uh, you know, how's that looking? How, what does that look like? <laughs> Isn't it
2: crazy? I just sometimes I it's pinch a crazy myself. Like, it is a crazy world, um, and I actually, you know, I, I picked a pretty good year to do it with everything kind of shutting <laughs> true, down true. With, yes. with COVID. You know, everyone was kind of getting online. It's like it felt kind of n- normal for people. But uh, mm-hmm. so basically, um, when when I went to seminary, I did a preaching course, and Reverend Olson. This is at Trinity Seminary, and. Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, Reverend Olson was my preaching prophet. He was a, just a very kind old pastoral guy, and mm-hmm. he wasn't an academic. He was a pastor, and and um, and he would have us preach in a preaching lab, and videotape us, and this is back when they were VHS tapes. Yes, and then we would <laughs> sit down with him, and he'd put in the in the cassette, and he'd push play, and he'd force us to watch it with him, and then he would yep. point things out that we did well, and just coaching basically with with game game tape, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I remember I remember one time getting through an entire message with him, and he and he paused he paused it at the end and he said, "Well, Pete, that was a good sermon, but it was the wrong text." Hmm. And I said, "What do you mean?" And he goes, "Well, yeah. it was biblical, but it wasn't this text. This text is saying something different than what you preach. I can think of two or three other passages that your sermon would fit great." Uh, <laughs> but this text is saying something different. What is, and, he, and he started to train me about how incredibly important it is to look at every pericope and uh, seek, seek what is really there. I mean, all scriptures, God, breathed, every single paragraph is there for a reason. There's something powerful in it for a people. Mm. And he taught me how to preach that text, whatever it was that I was preaching that Sunday. And in, in that process, he taught me a lot of other stuff too, but in that process, mm. I, I learned to fall in love with this idea of sitting down with a with a mentor and watching my sermons and getting input. Right. So when I was at Bentry, I started to train young pastors on our team. Uh, we had a teaching team by the time I left. We mm-hmm. would I would do this with them, and so now I, now I'm doing it with pastors who reach out to me. Um, what what I'll do is I'll go in and I'll do a day intensive with them, and I'll mm-hmm. walk through um, a bunch of Preaching stuff. The, the way I like to think about it is, um, uh, most pastors have been to seminary. They they've learned how to exegete the text. They've learned mm-hmm. the basics of homiletics. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I do is I take I take communication theory and pragmatic communication, and I apply it to preaching. And so I'm mm-hmm. I'm very very pragmatic. I, mm-hmm. I deal with with specific um, actions that are happening. And I, and I help people just become better communicators, which in time helps them become better preachers as well. And mm-hmm. so um, I'll spend a day doing a lot of teaching and then mm-hmm. and then we'll do a session where we'll sit down and we'll watch a video, which everyone is always just like, oh, this is painful. And I, I yes, know, yes. but it's so good. It's so good to do. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and then I'll do six more sessions just via Zoom. Um, I'm sorry, five more sessions just via Zoom uh, over the next number of months. And I'll give them love three it. or four things to work on. And then they'll work on those things. And then they'll send me a link and then we'll do it again. And then I'll give them three or four more things. So over yeah. the six sessions total, they're getting 18, 20 things to work on and to change. And then I'm coaching them through those changes. And over time, they just get better. It's just, re- it's really, really fun to watch. And
0: yeah, I love that. Part of. Well, so uh, first of all, I just think that's amazing. I think that's so good. There isn't enough... Um, you know, over the years when I've talked with younger leaders who are are trying to get into teaching and just because I've happened to serve with a bunch of great teachers, they'll say, what's the, if we end up in this conversation, what's your advice? I'm like, you, get into an environment where you're getting regular feedback and not yeah. that not the like we all will get the like sweet elderly lady who will like you know <laughs> hug us well she used to hug us she doesn't <laughs> hug us anymore because of covid but she used to hug us and say pastor that was just so good and yes you want to listen to that and say thank you yeah. you know that and that is a message from jesus he loves you deeply uh <laughs> but that's not necessarily going to help you get better at communicating right that feedback's not going to necessarily yeah. you know drive you what does that look like on the marketplace side i'd love to get us because that's you know uh, uh, jeff henderson uh you know often says leadership comes with a microphone regardless of the environment mm-hmm. you know we uh if we're going to lead we're going to have to communicate and so how are how do you, how have you kind of transported that into a marketplace uh, environment
2: yeah so um a lot of marketplace leaders need to communicate but the last time they had a speech class was in ninth grade, right? And so they, they find themselves in front of, um, you know, shareholders or large, large staff or teams. And nowadays, you know, they're sitting in front of a zoom call with 200 um, Mm -hmm. employees on the zoom call and they have to communicate. And some of them, like all kinds of leaders, some of them are pretty good at it and some of them just aren't and they struggle. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I do with marketplace leaders is I, I, I start with a, a two-hour Zoom session where I I basically teach them how to craft a really a really gripping message, and it's not rocket science; it's communication theory. But um, mm. it's 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 really helpful for people because they've never really learned how to do this. Yep. And then and then, then what I'll do is I'll um, I'll have them work on a talk um, that they have to give, so they've got a big sales meeting mm. or something that they're presenting to mm. all the sales force, whatever. And I'll, I'll help them craft a message for that. I'll have them videotape it and then we'll do a video coaching session to get it just really tight. And then we'll send them off to do it. I, I, I worked with a, a client, um, she's fascinating. She was a, a kindergartner teacher when Sandy Hook Elementary Massacre happened. Oh, wow. And it, it really impacted her. And she thought we've got to figure out a way to prevent these things. Long story short, mm-hmm. she spent the last 12 years of her life um, working and developing, um, a, a gunshot alarm system, um, mm. that it, it's just a remarkable, uh, tool. And, um, mm. and she was having a hard time communicating it. And so I, I worked with her to put a speech together, um, as she goes out to communicate, um, to groups that need these things in their, in their places of business and in their schools and churches. Um, and, so it was just a really fun process, and she put together an amazing speech. It's really, really powerful.
0: Hmm. That's so cool. I love, I uh, love that. Super practical, and like you say, mm-hmm. you know, a, a year later, here we are. Everybody knows how to use Zoom, which wasn't the case a year ago. And uh, what a <laughs> yeah. what a cool kind of time, uh, you know, for you. Now you've actually provided a resource that we're going to link to. Which is all about, uh, particularly preaching to a camera. This is super helpful. Uh, it's a, it's funny. I've thought about writing something like this because even a year later, it seems like people are struggling with it still. Uh, and so, why don't you tell us a little bit but We don't need to dive into all the content. We'll link to it, but tell us a little bit about this uh, this resource and kind of what what led you to think hmm, this would be this would be a good thing to to get out there for folks.
2: Yeah, I. Um... Uh, many many pastors, especially pastors in smaller churches, just um, when COVID hit, they just weren't used to this. They they don't right. have necessarily have the resources for a tech team or or an IT team or someone to help them. And so uh, I just heard a lot of stories early on in COVID of pastors who are just really struggling to know even mm-hmm. how to do it. And um, so I just I just threw something out on Facebook or Twitter and just saying hey if you're struggling preaching to a camera, reach out to me and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll talk on the phone for a half hour. I've got some ideas for you. Mm -hmm. I kind of got inundated with (laughs) pastors reaching out to me, which was awesome. I got to meet some really cool people. Mm -hmm. And, and so I thought, well, I probably should throw something together, um, just so I can make it a little easier for people to follow this Mm -hmm. stuff. So I just threw this article together. It was just stuff that I've, I learned over the years. I've preached to a lot of cameras over the years and, Mm Um, it's totally different than preaching to people. I don't have to tell pastors that anymore. They know because they've been doing it. It's just totally different. It's so unnatural, yeah. and the the energy you get back from a crowd really feeds a preacher. And when there's yes. just nothing coming back, um, you have to create that energy without sounding like a cheerleader. And the, there's nuance to it, and it's <laughs> it's just challenging. It's not easy. And so um, I hope I hope it's helpful and um, yeah, I'm glad that you're able to provide that.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's great. Well, Pete, I appreciate you being here today. Is there anything else you want to share just before we wrap up today's episode? Uh,
2: just, just yeah, one thing. Thanks, Rich. Um, what one of my challenges is because coaching is individualized and there, mm-hmm. there's a finite amount of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm not able to get to all the folks um, that have wanted reached out to me, and so what I've done is I, I'm putting together an online preaching course it's hopefully Fantastic. going to be coming out in the summer i just finished all the filming uh filming in phoenix and i'm really really excited about it it's it's kind of the nine biggest mistakes i see preachers making and how to fix them really mm. practical and um and so i'll be i'll be announcing that on my web page and on facebook uh, when it's ready to come out and um obviously be a lot cheaper than, than personalized coaching. And so I, I hope I can get it into more people's hands and it'll be helpful to folks.
0: Love that. That's so good. You'll have to let us know when it comes out so we can link to it for sure. That's uh, okay. what a great I'll resource. Um, such an important, uh, important topic. We want to send people to your website. You'd mentioned that it's just petebrisco.com. Uh, is there yep. anywhere else online we want to send people, uh, I'm on
2: Twitter, I'm on Twitter, on Facebook. I'd love for people to follow me on Facebook. If I I write anything kind of theological or pastoral, and nowadays I tend to throw it out on Facebook, uh, which I don't do very often. But um, so yeah, just uh, search me on Facebook, and I'd love for folks to connect with me there.
0: That's perfect. Thanks so much. I really appreciate you coming on today, Pete, and I'm excited to follow along and hear more about your story in the the coming uh, weeks and months. Thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you, Rich. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary podcast. Drop by Unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash Unseminary.